God's grace is amazing to us, and uh, this series we want to go through the book of Galatians. It's an epistle that Paul wrote back to a church of a region of the earth at that time, and he wrote this uh, story, this uh, lecture actually, back to the church that he had planted. In this series we want to look at how that the book of Galatians, what it means to live out a life with a grace-filled life. How many wants a grace-filled life? Where that every aspect of your life that you can see God's grace in it. That we get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes upon God. And the sooner we look at Him and quit looking at ourselves and our failures, the better off we'll be. Amen? So today, I want us to look in Galatians chapter 1 through 9. And we need to understand that this grace-filled life that we're going to speak about is both personally for us, between us and God, as well as between our relationship with others. And I want, uh, this is buzzing, that ear thing Dusty was talking about, that happened to me as well, so I couldn't hear anything. I didn't even know where I was at when I was playing, but I was trying the best I could with watching Leslie. But today I want us to see that we need to be in relationship with others and that grace needs to be involved in that. Amen? If we will allow grace to others, I really believe that we receive what we plant. And I really believe that. If you plant corn, I've said it a thousand times from this pulpit, if you plant corn in the spring, in the fall, you're going to have some corn growing up. And I really believe that God works by that principle. It's what Galatians teaches us, and we'll see later on in Galatians 6 of how that applies. But I believe that if we will plant grace in other people's lives, then we will receive a harvest of grace ourselves from God. Amen? I'm not saying you can buy God's grace, but I'm saying you can plant, and if you plant, you will receive. You will, you will reap if you sow. And I believe we need to sow grace in other people's lives. Look at your neighbor and say, I will sow grace into your life. Amen. It's hard. Sowing grace is not easy because you're actually giving that person something they didn't deserve. One thing we learned when we went through Healthy Church process as a church, as a group of individuals, the people that taught us how to be a healthy church, they told us that this is one principle, and he called it Rickisms. And one of Rickisms was this, everybody's allowed to be a jerk but me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm allowing you. Look at him, I want you to tell you. I'm allowing you to be a jerk. I won't be a jerk back. Amen. And as Rick said that, I was like, you know, sometimes that's hard, Rick. Do you know what you're saying? You're going to let everybody else be a jerk but you? Yeah. And the more we do that, that's allowing grace to go into those people's lives. That's what grace looks like. If somebody mistreats you or uh, does bad things towards you, the best thing to do is to sow grace. Amen. I believe if we sow that grace, we'll receive back. And let us look as we start today in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Let's stand as we read these. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I'm, I was not appointed by any group of people or by any human authority. 
but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I'm so shocked that you are turned away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you've welcomed, let that person be cursed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, let Paul's words that he was pinning down that was inspired by your spirit, telling him what to write. God, let it be engrafted on our hearts today. Lord, let grace just extend from this body in such a greater way than we've ever known before. Lord, I pray for, for wrongs to be made right. Lord, I pray for broken hearts to be mended today. Lord, I pray for those that's here, Lord, that maybe say, God, how can I get through this situation? Lord, I want your grace to cover that. You said in your word that your grace is sufficient for them. And I pray today that your grace would cover all sin in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. As Paul begins this epistle, and actually epistle is a, a letter that he wrote to the church here. He, he begins by explaining that he is an apostle. He is uh, somebody that God has appointed to reach out to the body of Christ. He is somebody that is a leader in the church. How many knows there needs to be God leaders in the church? God ordained, God uh, appointed, God spoken into their lives where that they know that they're called without a shadow of a doubt. Amen? And I know today standing before you that sometimes in my life I question whether God called me. But I go back to those moments in my life when I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God called me to preach his good news. And sometimes it's, it's like the enemy wants to challenge us and say, no, you're not good enough to preach the good news. Is anybody with me? You're not good enough to be a Christian today. You're not good enough. And the enemy wants to speak those words in your ears so that you doubt God's grace on your life. And I'm not appointed as a pastor by, God, by uh, anything that I have done. I'm appointed as pastor by God's grace on my life to be a pastor. How many knows I need some grace to be a pastor? Sometimes you've got to extend grace, and it hurts, but you extend grace anyway and allow people. And sometimes we see people fail, and the church wants to look around and say, well, what are we going to do to those ones failing, and how are we going to handle that? I'll tell you how we handle it. Allow God's grace to cover them. Because the sooner that God's church extends grace, the better off the church will be. And I really believe that God wants us to see. And I thank God for the song, Amazing Grace. How many loves that song? I can, it can just begin, the first note of that song can begin to play. And I can, I can just think about God's grace and how amazing it is to me. 
And as I, I thought about the word amazing, I wanted to see what uh, the dictionary said it means. And it's the dictionary, Daniel Webster, uh, the guy that wrote the dictionary that we have in America. He was a great man. He was a God-fearing man. Daniel Webster was. And he said about amazing, it means this, causing great surprise or wonder. Causing great surprise or wonder. How long has it been since you was in awe? The best word I know to express that. How long has it been since you were in awe of God's grace? That you were overtaken like, really God? You can do that? We need to be in awe of God's grace. And just stand back and say, God, I don't know how you always make this happen, but it seems like you always come through. Is anybody with me today? Have you ever been in a situation where it seemed like that there was going to be no way out, that the challenge was too big, that it's, you begin to question and say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't see how this is going to play out. But then all of a sudden, in the last moment when you was about ready to give up, but you were still standing firm in your faith, and then all of a sudden God comes through and you stand there and you're like, wow, God. We need to be in awe of God. Look at your neighbor and say, how long has it been since you was in awe of God? You see, I love it when I see this in somebody uh, for the first time in their life. I, I see some people, you know, maybe they're in their uh, late 30s or early 40s and maybe they never grew up in church and some of us has been blessed to grow up in church and, and sit through the Sunday school lessons and, and hear a children's church pastor speak into our life and, and had a good youth pastor that tried to raise us and, and, and teach us the scripture. and We, we had a pastor that loved us and, and, and give grace in our life but there's people in our community that don't have that experience. There's people in our community that their parents was not together. They didn't come from a loving home with a mom and a dad that would love them and extend grace to them when they done wrong. There's people in our community that, that maybe they had, had, a, had a, a single uh, family home and, and maybe their mom beat them as a child. They never understood grace. All they understood was judgment. And I love it as a pastor when these people, 30 to 40 years old, that's never known the grace of God, when they come into the church and they feel God's presence, and for the first time in their life, they'll sing about his beauty from the words on the wall. And their heart begins to open. And they begin to say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm willing to let you. And their heart begins to open, and they open that door. Jesus said, if anybody opens the door when I knock on it, I'll come in and I'll sup with them. And I believe these people, as they open the door to their heart, I believe in being open-minded. I believe in being a person that sometimes thinks outside of my normal little uh, parameters that I've placed on my own life. And sometimes we get so stuck into our past, if we don't open our heart and open our mind, we'll never understand grace. 
we'll just think from judgment side. But these people, as they begin to open their heart, and God's grace just comes flooding in. Have you ever saw those videos of maybe a, a it was a pond or a, a big lake, and as they begin to dig out just a little section of it on top, I've saw this happen before, and as you dig out that little section on top, and at one point, there's a breaking point of when you dig that last chunk off that that water will come flowing through, and it will begin to flow at such a rate that it will eat and eat out and make a big gash, and then the next thing you know, it's a flood coming. That's the way God's grace comes into people's lives. At the moment, they finally open to that point to say, God, I'm going to let you through. That's the way his grace comes into their life. I remember that as a child. I, was, I don't know. It was when uh, the double highway was coming through, and there was a uh, pond down on uh, at the end of Brary, and there was a guy that owned a pond up on top of the hill, and actually the double A come through, and right where that pond used to be, the double A highway comes right over top of that now. And he hired Dad to come down there, and uh, he was going to try to save as many of the fish as he could to take to another pond because he had, he had fed all those fish for years. He had put all that, uh, you know, fed the fish and just stocked it and continually just buying more fish and putting in. And he, he, he wanted that pond, he wanted those fish out of the pond. And as Dad came down there with the backhoe, I remember standing there as a little kid, and we devised this plan. That we was going to take this seine, have you ever, uh, is that the right word, a seine? It's like a thing that you drag through the creek and you catch little minners with. So we devised this plan to have this seine uh, across this uh, uh, breach that Dad was going to dig out. And we was going to let a little bit of water come out at a time. You with me? Just a little bit of time. We were going to dig just a little bit, a little bit at a time and let that, that come out of there. And whenever he got to a certain point and he was digging, he was just letting a little bit come out at a time. And there was one point where that whenever he took that last swipe through, Dusty, the water began to flow at such a rate. It, it, you couldn't hold the seine anymore. <laughs> Those fish all ended up down in Brawry Creek, and they went to the river and hard to tell them where they ended up. But that water come at such a, a force that it overwhelmed us trying to hold it back. And today, I want us to see that God's grace, when we will finally say, God, I can't, but you can. I don't know what situations you're facing. I don't know everybody's personal place you're at in your life right now. But I do know this one thing, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it's good news. We need to know that the gospel is good news. It's not binding. It's not harmful. <laughs> Jesus don't want anything but good for you. His plan is not to harm you, <laughs> but to prosper you. And the sooner we understand that he's not the one hurting us, we're hurting ourselves. And the more we hold back and hold grudges and hold is anybody guilty but me? I feel like I'm preaching to myself this morning for some reason. <laughs> I want to be in awe, Dusty, of God's grace in my life. I want to dig that last scoop where it begins to overflow the flood wall that I can't hold it back anymore. I want to stand back in awe and say, God, you fixed all of that. How did you do that so quick? I've worked on this for two years. How did you fix it in an instant? I'm in awe of you, God. How many wants that kind of presence of God? 
How many wants that kind of grace? Where that it's overwhelming. And we stand back and then when we sing amazing grace, it means something. Where that those words, when it begins to play, our heart sings it, not just our mouth. It'll change your life. And Paul, as he's writing back to this Galatian church, he's telling them, I've been through and I've preached at your church. And, and I've, we started a church in all these little regions. And he went from town to town. Ain't you glad Paul didn't just stay in Jerusalem? Aren't you glad that he didn't just stay in, in one spot and say, well, God, you've called me to be a pastor, so here I am, and I, I'm going up to Tarsus. That's where I'm from, so I'll just go start a church in Tarsus and just stay there. I'll, I'll just preach there the rest of my life. God said, no, Paul, you've got a lot more work than that to do. And Paul opens up his heart and says, well, God, I don't understand. I love these people at Ephesus, and you called me here. I've lived here for two years preaching to them. Why am I going somewhere else? Because I'm sending you somewhere else, Paul. How many of us are willing to go outside of our normal and what we want for what God wants? And Paul goes throughout all this region of Galatia. And this is like a, it's where Turkey is today and, and all these other uh, places right around Turkey and Syria and all this region. Paul goes up, even up into parts of the, the uh, Ukraine and, and all these regions. And he's building churches and planting churches. That's why I love the assemblies is because we believe in planting churches. We're not the only one planting churches. There's another organization called ARC, the Association of Relational Churches, and they plant churches. And they've planted over 1,000 churches in China in the last two years. There's more Christians in China than they are in America. The world is changing, and whether we like it or not, God is on the move. And what we need to do is just say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I will do. And if God wants me to plant more churches, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to plant more churches. And if God says, just stay right where you're at and keep those two buildings going and keep those groups of people going, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And today as we're, we're here, I want us to see that Paul was writing back to churches that he loved dearly. It breaks my heart whenever me and Leslie drive back through Middlesboro, Kentucky, and we go by and we see that church there that nothing's really changed. The parking lot's empty. They haven't sealed the blacktop since we left. They haven't painted stripes. They haven't upgraded the building. They haven't done anything to the HVAC units. They haven't done anything at all since we left. My heart aches. Because I know that there's people in that community that no longer go to church. Does your heart ache for somebody that no longer goes to church? What if the difference was you extending grace to them instead of judgment, the reason they would come back to church? Might I lift your feet up? <laughs> I want amazing grace. And as Paul's right back to these churches, he's telling them, somebody has came through and they've told you some things that you have to do in order to receive favor from God. That's actually what grace is. Unmerited favor is what some people call it. Unearned favor. I can't, I can't buy God's favor. 
I can't give you a little bottle of anointing oil and say if, if you give $100 in the offering, you'll get blessed and you'll get healed because of this little bottle. It has nothing to do with what you give. God's grace is not earned. And Paul's telling them, you can't earn anything from God. It's only by his grace you'll receive anything from God. That's why I love the stories in the Bible that you can read through when Jesus was here. People didn't earn his favor. They just received his favor. Think about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. She comes up and they, the Pharisees, they drag her down there before Jesus and throw her down on the ground and they had stones in their hand already. That Think about this. They brought her there intentionally to stone her, but they're going to try to trick Jesus up too because they wanted to stone him too. That's just the way judgment pe uh, people with judgmental minds, that's the way they are. They don't just want you. They want your whole family. They want to take you all out. And as they brought this woman here and they threw her down at Jesus' feet, and the Bible says that he stooped down to the ground and he began to do something on the ground. Everybody's preached about what Jesus may have drawn a picture. Some people say maybe he was drawing their sins out on the ground and they had to look and see their sin. I don't know what he was drawing, but he was drawing on the ground. They tried to trick Jesus and said, well, uh, Moses said if, if they're caught doing this that we are to kill them. Don't you love it when people use scripture against you? Try to tell you how wrong you are? Because what they think the scripture says? <laughs> Jesus stooping down there and, and, and he's drawing on the ground. I'm just imagining going through his mind, well, really? You think that's what that means? <laughs> and I wonder how many of us would have to answer for what we believe to Jesus. How closed-minded we are. How long has it been since we opened up our mind and said, maybe God can do that? That's grace. And he's writing on the ground. He tells him, he says, okay, I'll, I'll do it this way. The first one of you that hasn't sinned, if you, 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 if you haven't sinned, just go ahead and throw the first stone. And once you get hit by the first one, everybody else can start throwing their stones. Scripture says one by one, they begin to drop their stones, and they turned around and they left. Everybody there had sinned, and they had to walk away and say, I can't stone her if I have sinned myself. And they walk away, and as they walk away, the next thing you know, everybody's gone but Jesus and this lady. And as she's there, I can imagine her being humbled. And as she's laying there on the ground where they threw her down and she was waiting on the rocks to begin to hit her upside the head, I can just imagine my Savior walking over and touching her and saying, okay, get up. Get up. Go ahead, go ahead raise your hand up. Here, here, let me help you up. Then he looked at her and he said, where's your accusers? Ain't that a great place to be? Whatever you just had, and probably it was like a mob at that time. I'm saying there was probably hundreds, if not thousands, in Jerusalem that was ready to throw stones at this lady's head. And she turns around, and there's none. You know what that is? That's God's favor. That's grace. And as she looks around, she says, there is none. And Jesus says these words. 
I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. You see, when Jesus Christ said the words to all those people, let him without sin throw the first stone, Jesus could have picked up a rock because Jesus had never sinned. And he could have threw that stone himself. But he chose to not throw the stone, but to reach a hand. How many of us throw stones at others that's doing wrong when we ought to be reaching a hand? My hands are clean. See, I could throw stones. I could say I'm the pastor of the church. I'd much rather do this. Because if I reach a hand, people will get up. I don't have to ask them anything. All I've got to do is extend a hand. What if I would have thrown stones at every one of these people? What if I would have said, Missy, you was mean to me this week. Not really. I'm playing. <laughs> He's got his time. I, 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 I could say, well, Dusty, you didn't text me back when I texted. I don't know that. Probably you texted me and I didn't text you back, but I'm using that as an example. I think you did text me last, actually, so I didn't text you back. Sorry about that. I'm asking for grace, Dusty. Dusty don't like my little emojis. You know what that is? Like a, a, it's like a smiley face or a whatever, a frowny face or a little halo guy or all those. I get these little emojis. So Dusty asked me a question. I usually answer him with an emoji, a little face. He's like, just answer. <laughs> Please answer. Give me a word, not a face. But that's why I answer. He gives me grace after a while. He's learned me. So all these people are standing here because of me reaching them with grace. You can sit down. What if we could impact the people we come in contact with with a hand rather than a stone? I think for too long the church has been throwing stones at the world. saying you're a sinner I can't believe you would be like that throwing stones of judgment the church just judging the world we're, we're just going to throw as many stones as we can just hope it hits somebody so that they won't live like they're living no more I'm just going to throw stones until, until I, hopefully they, it'll just finally they'll wake up when we're throwing stones up against their head knocking them out day after day and hoping eventually they're going to wake up I don't know that's the right approach 
I believe if you read through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and study the life of Jesus Christ, you won't see very many stones thrown. He did tell the woman, go and don't sin no more. Amen? He don't give us a freedom to sin, but his grace does cover our sin. And I believe that if it would have happened again the next day, I really believe in my heart of hearts, the way I understand Scripture and interpret Scripture, if that same woman would have come back to Jesus' feet by the same group of people that was wanting to stone her yesterday, if they would have brought her back the next day and threw her at Jesus' feet and said, we caught her again. Nanana boo boo. We caught her again, Jesus. You let her go yesterday and now she went out and done it again. I'm not sure that Jesus would have said, okay, I told you yesterday, go and don't do it no more. So I give you a chance. You had one chance. Here's the stone. I'm going to hit her today. I don't believe Jesus would have thrown the stone. That's the difference in a God of judgment and a God of grace. And I really feel that too many Christians feel like when they mess up and if they sin, that they're waiting on Jesus to throw a rock and hit them upside the head. When Jesus is just there saying, I know you done this yesterday. I know you messed up last week. I know you've had some issues. But I'm going to give you a hand. And I'm going to ask you to get up. And I'm going to ask you, where's your accusers? Oh, they're all gone again? You mean they all left you again? <laughs> Jesus' Words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will go with you even to the end of the age. Every day, Jesus' grace is there for you. I want everybody here to stand. How long has it been since you were amazed? By God's grace. And if you are amazed by his grace, I really believe that you won't be throwing stones, but you'll be reaching out with a hand to help somebody up. And maybe you can think in your mind right now of somebody that you're thinking God's judgment is surely going to hit that person for what they did. I want you to think about it. God will surely judge them for what they did or what they're doing. I can't believe they act like that. That's the same thing as you taking a rock and throwing it at them. And what if we would change our mind? Say, Jesus, you would reach for them. You wouldn't cast them down. Cast me not away, O oh God. the heart of Jesus Paul's telling the church who's bewitched you who's come in and told you that you've got to earn God's grace the Galatian church somebody's come in and told you you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian that's a falsehood that's wrong that's not right Paul's telling them you need to live by God's grace you need to have God's grace on every area of your life and when you understand that, and when you begin to live in that, then and only then will you be in awe of what God can do in your life.
Peter says these words. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he'll have to flee. I don't know how many of you have been trying to fight the enemy on your own. Trying to battle him off and try to play mind games and and maybe you've been praying in your mind and thinking I'll just out pray him and I'll, I'll get away from him by doing this. Prayer changes things. I really believe in that. I'm not saying prayer don't change things. But we need to do what the Bible says. It first says submit yourself to God. The mighty right hand of God actually is what it says. And I believe today if we will submit ourselves to God that's us sitting on that bank, Mikey. Saying, God, I, I want to I empty out this pond. I, wa I want a little bit more of your grace, God. And I believe every shovel full that we take out of the side of the bank of that pond, eventually we're going to hit the sweet spot of where the power of the water overtakes the soil in the ground. And that's where God's grace comes flowing over. I'm praying today for an amazing grace to conquer every area of sin of every individual in this place. I'm praying today as I'm ministering through God's word that I'm taking shovelfuls out of your life and I'm digging them away. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, in an instant, that God's grace will come flowing in at such a rate that you've never, ever experienced before in your life. And you're going to leave this place today saying, wow, God. bow your head and close your eyes. Sing that last one. let that be the cry of your heart today. Just sing those words. this place, come in here today feeling broken, feeling discouraged, feeling like you're at that point in your life where you're just ready to throw, a, throw the towel in the ring and say, I'm tired of fighting. It's a breaking point. I'm, I'm, I'm about to say I'm finished. But today, you can still hear that still small voice of God saying, you haven't watched me finish this yet. Don't give up. I'm not done. I just want you to imagine that right now, that God is telling you, don't give up. I'm not finished. 
right here, just bow your head, close your eyes. Will you raise your hand and say, will you be willing to say, that's me. I need God's grace today, and I want to be overwhelmed. I want the floodgates of heaven to begin to open over my life. I need God's grace today over my situation, and I'm tired of trying to fix my mess. I need God to finish the mess I've made. I need Jesus' grace today. Is anybody here? There's a bunch of people raising your hands. There's more. There's more. Come on, raise your hand. If you can feel God speaking to you and telling you, it's time to give up and let me do it. If you're tired of trying on your own and you want him to fix it, raise your hand. There's more. There's still more raising. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to sing these words again as Leslie sings them. raise your hand a minute ago. I just want you to just lift your hands now. Everybody here, just lift your hands and tell him how amazed you are at what he's doing in your heart today. God hears the cries of your heart. Scripture even talks about that he bottles up the tears that we cry. And I believe every tear that's shed, God knows the pain that's behind those tears. And I serve a God that will wipe away your tears and give you joy. God that you've taken broken people in this room today and Lord you're transforming their lives 
Lord, for those that are suffering pains that they don't even speak about to others and they don't even open up. They haven't even talked to anybody about it. But today, God, you have, you have pricked their heart. And, Lord, today they opened that window just a little bit and said, God, come on in and fix it. God, I know your grace is sufficient for every need. God, I know that your grace is covering them today. And, Lord, I pray as they go out of this place today, Lord, that they're going to be in awe at what you fix in their life. Lord, that this week is going to, they're going to see things begin to open up, God. And they're going to see new things happening. And, God, they're going to see your work in their life. And they're going to know only God can fix that mess. Lord, let it be a month of awe for us in November. Lord, as we go through this sermon series of amazing grace, Lord, just let it be a month of where testimonies begin to flood into Bethesda. Lord, that people will begin to talk to each other and, and open up. And Lord, that your, your grace will be sufficient for all areas of our life. And Lord, that any hurt and any past instances, God, that you're working on those things right now. God, let us be in awe of how you fix stuff the issues in our life. Lord, I can only imagine that woman caught in adultery, laying there on the ground expecting death that day, but she received life. I can only imagine, God, the awe. As she walked back into the communities and everybody looked at her like she was still the same. But Lord, on the inside, you've done a work on her. God, that she couldn't hold back. And I can just imagine the testimony of the awe she was in at your grace. Jesus, I thank you that even some people in this room today are walking out changed like that woman was changed. And just as you told her, go and sin no more, you're telling these people here today, go and sin no more. Your amazing grace is taking care of those things that they were packing themselves. Lord, I remember my salvation moment when I got up from that altar. And Lord, it felt like a ton of bricks was lifted off my shoulders. I can remember it like it's yesterday, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the weight of sin that it speaks about in Hebrews 12, that the weight of sin that so easily ensnares us, God, let it be lifted off the shoulders of the people in this place. And Lord, as they've laid it down in this room today, it's yours to carry now, Jesus. Lord, don't let them pick anything up and carry it back out those doors. But let them walk out in freedom, covered by grace. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'm amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. Won't you just sing it? If God's done something in your heart today, won't you just sing those words? If he's touched you in this place today, won't you just sing those words?
won't you just reach over and touch that person beside of you on the shoulder? Won't you just turn around and give somebody a big hug and tell them how good God is in your life? Give them a big hug and tell them how good God is in your life. You can be seated. 